Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good morning, good morning. Who's excited for church? Come on. It's 11 a.m. Some of you had coffee, some of you didn't. Can we try that again? Who's excited for church this morning? Come on. If we have not met, my name is Ali. My beautiful wife and I, we started this place four years ago called Bold Church, a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith through 21 days of prayer, but unchurched people, people who are new to church, could explore their faith. So if you're new to church, let me tell you, the seven of the eight people who started this church we didn't get saved until our 20s, so we know what it feels like, how awkward, how shy you are, how nervous you are when you come to a church for the very first time. Are they going to make me pray? Yes. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that. But we, we know the objections to faith, so we try to create a church where not only Christians could come, but unchurched people could come. So we, we, we worship in a style that is inviting for both. I'm going to preach in a way that is going to speak to both people. And one of the things that we do is, is pray. Uh, they did this sociological study where they, they realize in every culture, in every language, it doesn't matter what religion you are, people pray. You are created to pray. And in our culture, people are spent on average three or four hours on social media a day. Crazy, right? So some of you follow Jesus, but you ain't listening to him. Come on. And so now it's time to, to treat him as if he was really on social media. It's time to slide into his DMs and talk to him. Maybe, maybe your favorite celebrity will never respond back. Jesus will. And so the heart of this collection of talks is, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Whether you are Christian, I'm going to teach you how to pray more. If you're not a believer, I'm going to teach you how to pray for the very first time. Y'all ready? You see the, the verse on the screen. Someone say amen. amen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, amen, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In week one of this installment, I want to talk to you around this idea, talk to Jesus. Next week, it's pray like Jesus. In week three, it's listen like Jesus. But today, let's talk to Jesus. Let's, let's begin praying to him. And the heart of prayer is simply just to talk to God. And it seems fitting that we should pray before we talk about prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for what you are doing in this faith community. God, thank you. Lord, that you brought us to church on Labor Day weekend. Thank God what you're doing in this church. Thank you, God, for this incredible dream team that their, their hard work makes the dream work, Jesus. We pray now, God, that you do something in our lives, that we would talk more like you, walk more like you, and we love more like you. We praise you. We honor you. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. I'm going to give you a big idea. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's this. A relationship without communication is simply two people. I don't care if you live with that person. I don't care if you're in bed with that person. If you ain't talking, there is no intimacy. Because talking is the intimacy of a relationship. Our culture will say it's sex. It is not. Talking is what allows two people to connect. So this collection of talks, the reason why we're giving you a prayer journal for the next 21 days, the goal is not prayer. The goal is God. Prayer is simply the vehicle to get more of him. And often what we do in our culture is we create barriers. We complicate things. And... We make things much harder than they are. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed this, but like whenever something is super complex, I become complacent in that area. Ikea, they get as complicated just to the line, right? A little bit more complicated, I'm out. 
But they, 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 they torture me because it's easy enough or I want to do it. And then two hours later, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> then there are other areas where it's super complex. I avoid it like the plague. There's demons there. It's the DMV. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Instead of having one form with five questions, they go, ha ha, let's create five forms with one question. <laughs> and because it's so complicated, I avoid it. It was the great Lauren Hill who said, complication is because of miscommunication. And I wonder if prayer is complicated because you're misinformed. You haven't been told what it really is. It, I, I want to demystify. I want to simplify prayer this morning. I want to give you some pithy statements. If you have a cell phone, you might want to take some pictures. I want to try to help you make prayer. You know, there's this politician, I'm not for him or against him. He said, let's make America great again. Come on. I'm trying to make prayer great again. Come on. Uh, I hope I don't offend you. Don't cancel me. But if you're taking notes in church, you want to write this down. If you're not taking notes in church, you want to write this down. This first idea is this. God, prayer is not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. And God's like, not like, come on, who's God? I win. Now you have to pray. He's not going to force relationship. He's not going to force you to talk to him. In the same way, I'm not going to call you on Sundays you don't come to church. This is never a church where you're forced to come. It's a place where you get to come. And I have two little kids, and one day they're going to grow up and get married and start their own family with their own traditions. And listen, I'm not going to have them sign a contract saying Thanksgiving and Christmas are mine. You have to come back. No, I want them to come back. Listen, prayer is the same way. God will never force you to pray to him. God will never force you to talk to him. You get to pray. And listen, your favorite celebrity that you slide in the DMs, some of them respond back. This is an auto message that you'll never talk to him. Ever get that? You get access to the creator of heaven. Not the one who created Instagram or TikTok, who created Yeezys, the creator of heaven and earth. You get to have access to him. And when you get a greater revelation of what prayer is, it changes your response. Second thing, I want to write this down. Prayer. God doesn't need your prayers. You do. God's not up in heaven going, oh my gosh, do you see that? The chaos in his family? He better pray. I'm freaking out. God is not freaking out when you don't pray. He's okay. The question is, are you? See, prayer changes things. When you, when you realize prayer doesn't change God, prayer changes me. Prayer isn't a burden. Prayer is a place where I bring my burdens. That's why in First Peter says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. You need prayer. Because God, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. One more. This one's good. This is going to help you. Prayer is less about getting things and more about getting God. See, sometimes we come to God as if he's a vending machine. I want a promotion. All the single people are like, I want a marriage. Come on. The, the people who are married, dinks, dual income, no kids, they, I want kids. And sometimes we only come to God when we're in need and we want something. And he's almost like jack in the box. You get it your way. Or he's a vending machine. And you come to him in emergencies. You come to him with need. And those things are good. God tells us, Jesus tells us in the prayer how to pray to Father. They come to him. How do we pray to Jesus? He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And he teaches us every day, God, give me my daily bread. God, have, God knows you have needs, but the greatest thing that God can give you is not things but himself. Yeah, good. Well, first year of marriage, my, I would long to be intimate with my wife. And uh, one of the funniest things was, uh, she may not be laughing, I'm going to laugh, but this is hilarious. <laughs> She's like, honey, I'm tired. Let's be intimate in the morning. So guess who stayed up till 2 a.m.? Could not fall asleep. Come on. And now here I am eight years later. As much as I love being intimate with my wife, the greatest thing she'd give me is not sex. 
It's herself. It's friendship. God can give you a car, a house, kids, but those things will never satisfy your soul. The greatest thing God can give you in prayer is not things, but himself. This next one's going to help you. Write this down. Life without oxygen will die. And a relationship without communication won't survive. Your faith journey needs connection with God. I can't tell you how many Christians I meet. You go, oh, Pastor Allen, I'm tired. I'm burnt out. And let me tell you, working for Jesus never burns you out. It doesn't. It, it, Jesus says that when you pour out, he fills you up. And that when I pour out my cup in service, it, God says, you, God refreshes those who refresh, who refreshes them, them, those who refresh others. This idea that when you pour out your heart, you pour out your service, God will ref- you will be empowered. But why do we burn out? It's because we stop talking to Jesus. Right. It's like a plant. If you don't water, what's going to happen? It doesn't matter if you get it sunlight, it will eventually wither. It does not matter how often you come to church. If you don't talk to Jesus, your faith will die. One more. Prayer. It's not about making a transaction. It's about making a connection. Sometimes what we do is we treat God like our business partner. God, I got these plans. Bless them. God, I, got, I have this business. Bless it. God, I, I, I want to date this girl. Some people are okay with it. Are you? Bless it. And we treat God like a transaction. We only come to him at the beginning or the end when there's an emergency or at the very beginning, and there's no connection. You ever go to a vending machine, you push the button, you get what you want, and then you walk away. God ain't a vending machine. God is the blessing. He is the blessing. And in our culture, we, we often, what we do is when we have areas of like discomfort in our life, like maybe we go to a marriage council when there's marriage problems. When we have financials, we go to a financial person. When, when we want to grow in leadership, we go to a leadership guru. And I, 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 I'm, I'm not like shaming anyone. I'm saying I do this too. I have a marriage counselor. I have a therapist. I have a leadership guru. I have a preaching coach. I have every area of my life where I want to grow and get better in, I go to an expert. But the question that I'm asking is not that you don't talk to those people, but before you talk to all the experts, you talk to the expert of experts. You talk to the wonderful counselor. It's crazy to me that people will give money to a counselor before they talk to the wonderful counselor. I'm not saying don't talk to a therapist. I'm saying do you talk to Jesus before you talk to a therapist? Because Jesus wants to talk to you. You just read the scriptures, story after story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Again and again, Jesus talks to people. One of my favorite stories, oh my goodness, is the story where Jesus is with his disciples and little kids come up to him. And the disciples are annoyed, like, get these little kids away. It teaches me that Jesus is not annoyed with little kids. Have you ever hung out with little kids? (laughs) They don't hang around annoying, stuffy adults. That teaches me that Jesus is fun to talk to. It teaches me that even if I'm immature, Jesus will humble himself just to communicate with me. I love the story of the Phoenician woman, Syphoenician woman. She has no name. She's the wrong gender in the wrong culture. And her husband is dead, and she's a widow, and she comes to Jesus, and her her daughter, her only daughter is dying. And she's trying to get to Jesus, and the disciples are like, get away, woman. You're a Gentile. teaches me that, and Jesus says, let her come forth. Let me talk to her. Maybe... Christians are annoyed with your prayer request. Jesus is never annoyed with your prayer request. I love the story of Martha and Mary. They have a brother named Lazarus, and Lazarus, they cook meals with Jesus. They, they hang out. with Jesus was very close with his family, but then Lazarus dies, and Martha and Mary are angry at Jesus. 
They come to him and say, I saw you heal that guy and that person and that. Why couldn't you heal someone you love, someone you're friends with? And they give Jesus their anger, and Jesus doesn't throw lightning bolts. Teaches me that I can bring my emotions to Jesus, and he's not angry. And even more powerful is that Jesus hears them, comforts them, and then he prays with them. Jesus can handle your, handle your anger. Jesus can handle your frustrations. I love this story of the road to Emmaus, these two men. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'm going to resurrect. And on the third day, these two disciples, after they heard the promise, they start walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus, the Bible says, walked with these two men for seven miles. It teaches me that even when I'm disobedient, even when I'm walking away from God, God will never leave me, forsake me, and he's still going to talk to me, even in my rebellion. Amen? Amen. I love the story of Nicodemus. The theologians call him Nick at Night. This dude grew up in church. His dad's a pastor. His granddad's a pastor. This guy is around church. This guy loves God so much, he, he memorized the entire Old Testament. Comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm struggling in my faith. I, I, I don't know what I believe anymore. And Jesus doesn't rebuke this man who spent his whole life in church and says, teaches me that I can bring my doubt. I can bring my questions. And God doesn't push me away. Ain't anybody thankful for Jesus? That he loves you and wants to talk to you. And what's crazy to me is that no matter if I'm angry or, or doubting or I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I, I, I have frustration in my life or, or I'm immature in my life or my life is messy, that Jesus wants to talk to me. I wrote down like this, prayer is talking to Jesus about anything and everything. Anything and everything. Before you talk to a therapist, talk to Jesus. Before you tell your friends you're angry with God, tell Jesus you're angry with him. Come on. We talk to people about everything, but do we talk about Jesus with everything? And one of the things that, one of the reasons why I went to Hebrews chapter 4 is I want to give you a revelation, a greater revelation of who Jesus is in your life. Because when you see him for who he really is, your prayer life will shoot through the roof. Hebrews is an interesting book because there are 27 books in the New Testament. Every book has an author, every book has a purpose, and every book has an audience. What's interesting about the book of Hebrews, no one knows who wrote it. Some people think it's Apollo, some think it's Barnabas, maybe it's the Apostle Paul. The writing is very different than the other books of the Bible, but the purpose and the audience is clear. That author, whoever it was, will find out in heaven, will give him my five. Thank you for tricking us. No blues clues that can help us figure this out. He's writing to a Jewish audience. And the heart of the, the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy. That in the Old Testament, it was prophesied there would be one greater than Moses. There would be one greater than David. There would be one greater than, than Abraham. And this man would, there would be no need for any prophet after the prophet of prophets. Because God would come with us. And the Bible in Hebrews chapter 14, verse 4, verse 14, calls him the great high priest. Someone say great high priest. Great high priest. Now. This is not Harry Potter, so right? This is it's not Dumbledore being prophesied about. This is different language. In the Old Testament, there was a, a high priest. And the reason why you needed a high priest is because you needed a mediator. Every time my kids fight, they, they, I go, I, I, we try to get them to grow up and like figure it out. Eventually, someone's going to punch someone. We need a mediator, amen? In, in, our, in our culture, sometimes when, when people have disagreements about lines or on the fence or you're just supposed to cut that tree down, on my, we need a mediator. What do you do when your relationship with God has tension? You need a mediator. 
So that was why God created this, the purpose of a, what's called a high priest. He was the one that stood in between you and God. And this guy lived a holy life. Uh, not, not ratchet like us, righteous. He was different. And what would the mediator do? How would he resolve the tension? How would he remove the sin? God created a, a sacrificial system. Not only was there a mediator, there was a sacrifice. So if I'm a sinful person, I got sin in my life, I'm a Lakers fan, I need to repent, come back. Whatever it is, I would go to the mediator. Say, I want right standing with God. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness means right standing with I'm, I'm, I'm separated from God. Uh, him and I have tension. Can you help mediate this? And the way that you'd mediate, the Bible says that the wage of sin is death, and there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. So the mediator would say, we need to kill an animal. You'd bring a goat, a lamb, and if you were poor, I'll explain that in a while, two pigeons. So I would come to the mediator, I'd bring a sacrifice, and the mediator would say, I'm going to put the sin of you on that animal, and you're forgiven. Jesus, though, is not called the high priest. He's called the great high priest. Because the Bible says that the blood of lambs and animals cannot remove sin. So we need a mediator. The, the, the man who was meeting the high priest, he's a sinful man. He needed to atone for his own sin. So how can man represent a sinful man? So God needed a perfect mediator. Someone who could represent God and who he is, and at the same time, someone who could represent man and who he is. You need not just a, a man, you need a God man. That's why Jesus left heaven to be the perfect mediator. He could represent us because he was human. And he could represent God because he is God. But what's the sacrifice? Is it an animal? Is it a pigeon? Is it a goat? This mediator is the great high priest because he became the sacrifice. He said, I came to die for you. I didn't come to kill something. I came to die for you. And this is why Christianity is crazy. That we can have a relationship with God, and he is our mediator. He is the one that reconciles us with God. And in the same moment, he is the sacrifice. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? Come on. And then it, it continues. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest. Someone say high priest. high priest. It's actually great high priest, but this is saying it the second time. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Now, let me remind, let me recap what I'm saying. We have a mediator between us and God. He's the great high priest, and this mediator is God in the flesh. And the, the great thing, the reason why he's great is because he came to sacrifice. Yeah. But there's another reason why this, this dude is special. Jesus, when he came, did not come as a 33-year-old man. He came as a baby. He had diapers. He became a toddler. He went through puberty. Had an awkward, oh, guys, phase. He went through the awkwardness of high school. Right? He was a young adult. Was an adult. He went through every phase that we went through. Everything that we experienced. Why? So that when you talk to Jesus, there's nothing that you experienced that he didn't. Imagine if he only came as a 30-year-old to die. Came two minutes later, he died. You, you could never pray to him. Because he came down from an ivory tower. But Jesus wanted to suffer the way that you suffer. Jesus wanted to experience what you experience so that when you pray to him, he can say, oh, I know what that's like. Let me explain this. I have uh, two friends very close with me. They have been in my life 
for the last couple of years, and one of them, I'm not going to name him because I don't want you to look him up, he's got a building, a church building, COVID didn't really hurt him, he was down for maybe two months, God bless his warm heart, <laughs> like his church grew in COVID, whereas we shrunk in COVID, and uh, he, he had over, not bragging about him or anything, he had over like six figures, seven figures in the bank, so even if people stopped giving, he still had money for two or three years in his church. So every time he sends me a text, praying for you, bro, I'm like, yeah, thanks for the ivory tower text, bro. Come on. <laughs> then I have another friend, and he's driving the truck on Sunday mornings like I am. He did church online for 60 weeks the way that we did. He saw his church go from, you know, several hundred down to 100 people. And when he texts me saying, I'm praying for you, don't quit, don't give up, it just hits different. Why? Because he experienced what I experienced. Not that the first guy is more righteous and holy or better, but he, doesn't, he, never, he, doesn't, he didn't go through the pain of COVID. Jesus, you can pray to him. Let me tell you, when Jesus was born and they, his parents dedicated him to the, at church, they brought two pigeons because he was poor. Jesus was born in poverty. Some of you in this room, you, you're like, Jesus, God doesn't know what I feel like to be grow up poor. He knows exactly what that feels like. As a little kid grew up in an elementary school, you know they made fun of Jesus? Oh, isn't your mom the one that had you at a wedlock? That nickname stuck even in his older ears. Have you ever been picked on and bullied in high school? Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. In our culture, when you want to go to college, you take the SAT, you take your high school diploma, and then you apply to all these schools at the age of 18. In Jewish culture, it, there was no university. There was what called rabbis and Pharisees. And they would invite you to follow them. As a 12-year-old boy, guess who was never picked? Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be rejected, to not go into the career of your dreams. He knows exactly what that feels like. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, not his real father, but his stepdad, is mentioned at the age of 12, and he's never mentioned again in the Bible. Some of you lost a, a, a mom or a dad, and you're like, you're just angry with God. You carry this wound. You know, God doesn't understand. God knows exactly what that feels like. He had to become a carpenter to take care of his mom. He knows what it's like to, to be the primary caregiver when everyone else is following their dreams. You have to stay home and take care of your family. That's why you can pray to him because he's experienced everything you experienced. When he was 30 and he had a, a startup, one of his co-founders stabbed him in the back. Any business leaders in here had business leaders that stabbed him in the back, that did you dirty? Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. The point I'm trying to make is I want to encourage you. You're praying to someone not who's in an ivory tower, who doesn't know what you're feeling. He goes through every, every pain, every suffering, every rejection, everything you've experienced, he's gone through. I wrote down like this. Jesus went through it all so that you could talk about it all. Everything you experienced, you can talk to him because he's experienced it. We do not have a great high priest who, who, who he can empathize in our weakness. He's not in an ivory tower looking out saying, figure it out. He went through our pain. He went through our suffering. Why? So when you talk to him, he goes, me too. Me too. It continues. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach. Someone say approach. approach. God's throne with grace. Of grace with confidence. Someone say confidence. confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that the writer wants us to enter in the presence of God with confidence. And this word approach is almost like this, it's, it's this image of me walking into a, the presence of God. But he's not talking about physically approaching. He's talking about spiritually approaching. 
With physical, I use my feet. In the spiritual, I use my prayers. He's saying, I want you to approach God with confident prayers. Not because of who you are. Maybe your life is messy. Maybe you're angry. Maybe your church attendance is up and down. You're not in because of your merits. You're in because of Jesus' merits. Because the great high priest, he paid for your sacrifice. He paid for your sin. And not only that, he's the special high priest because he knows exactly what it's like to find it hard to go to church. Jesus was a traveling itinerary preacher, man. He knows. He knows. And you can approach with confidence. It doesn't matter how often you come to him. He's never annoyed. He's never frustrated. How do I know? All the conversations that he had with people. When Pastor Yaz and I, at the end of this month, September 28th, we celebrate our nine-year anniversary. Come on. You can celebrate that. Yeah. The only problem was it, it could have been like year 10 or 11, but she was dating someone else. Talk about it, Pastor Yaz. I am trying right now. Come on. And uh, we were friends for like maybe four or five years. And uh, when we did begin to date, I was in a very unique season of my life where I was a full-time engineer, full-time seminary student, you know, driving to Oakland for two hours to be in class for three, and leading a life group and a youth pastor. So like, I had like no free time. I had to write sermons. I had to write papers. I had to read books. And it, it almost felt like a long-distance relationship. And there would be these moments where, like, I'd call Pastor Yaz in the morning on my way to work because I knew I would never see her that day. And this was, like, 2012, like, FaceTime just. You had to be on Wi-Fi, so I had to, like, get to the office and actually use it. But on the road, I'd call her. I'd call her during my lunch breaks. I'd call her on the road. I'd call her in the evenings. And, listen, she was never annoyed, even though she couldn't see me. So I approached her with confidence because I knew she loved me. I knew she wanted to connect. You have a heavenly father. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, if he did not give up his son, how much will we not give you all things? God longs to give you things. But the greatest thing he can give you is himself. You can approach God with confidence. Amen? Amen. You can pray with confidence. You can worship with confidence. You can praise him with confidence. You can approach church. It does not matter what you do on Saturday night. You can come in this room Anytime with confidence. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? Come on. Two things I want to give you to help maybe reframe what prayer is. And there are different kinds of people in this room on different journeys. Some of you have been Christian for the last 20 years. Some of you have been Christian for like 10 days. I got to speak to everybody. So I'm going to give you some things that are going to speak to some people on point one and other people on point two. Just follow along. Amen? Number one is this. God, small isn't insignificant to God. Small is not insignificant to God. Uh, Pastor Yaz and I, one of the things that we love doing is we love counseling people, meeting with people. People talk about their marriage issues, their work issues, their family issues, drama, like crazy stuff. And almost every time we ask the question, have you prayed about it? And you see the awkward, uh, I'm, I'm talking to you, Pastor Ali, come on. And you go, oh, there's this business principle where you ask the question why five times and you get to the root of the problem. They go, oh, why didn't you pray about it? Ah, uh, you know, I just didn't have time, but why? But why? And you get to the bottom of it and people usually say this, it's just so small, Pastor Ali. I didn't want to bother God with this. And it's actually antithesis to what the teachings of Jesus says. That nothing is, the thing that you and I think is small, Jesus says is not insignificant. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? 
Jesus is saying there's this thing that's so common. There's so much abundance of it. There, it is so common in the culture, it's almost worthless. You get two of them for a penny. Pennies are worthless. No one carries pennies in their pocket. We put them in cup jars. We have them in piggy banks. No one carries pennies around. Jesus is saying you can get two of these birds for one of these pennies because it's so common. It's so small. And watch what he says. Yet are not one of them, not, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. That means the way that you and I look at things is very different. God will look at a thousand birds and he'll see the needs of one. Amen. Oh, that one's hungry. Yeah. Oh, that one's thirsty. That one needs to sit down because it's, it's tired. Mm-hmm. You and I will look at a flock of birds and we'll see the, the many. God will look at the flock and he'll see the one. And the thing that we think is so small, God says, no, 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 that's not insignificant. And watch how he compares and contrasts the bird to you and I. He says, and even the very heads, hairs on your head are all, God knows about your weave, ladies. Come on. The eyelashes that he gave you that you didn't like and you glued on new ones, he knows about those too. He knows, he knows everything. Come on. Trying to make this fun in Jesus' name. (laughs) Fellas, if you see a red dot, pray for me. (laughs) But this idea that the the, the thing that we think is so common, the thing that we think is so small, God's like, no, 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 no. I know everything about you. You you, you walk into a stadium of people, and I see you. And sometimes we read the scriptures in John 3.16. It says, God so loved the world. But when God is spending time with his angels, he's got an Instagram of pictures of you. Oh my gosh, look at my kid, because he knows you by name. He knows how many hairs you have. Even though you're one of seven billion, God is so big, God is so enormous, he knows every little thing about you. And this affects our prayers, because what we end up doing is, no, 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 I don't want to pray about that with God. No, 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 that's too small, Pastor Ali. And the very thing that God wants connection about the small thing, it actually hinders us because we only pray about the deep thing. Let me give you an example. Some of you ladies, you, you, I, my wife, she'll walk into a closet full of clothes and be like, oh my God, I have nothing to wear. I have, I have nothing. And I wonder if you took that complaint and turned it into a prayer. I'm not picking on my wife, I'm just using it as an example. What if you went to the mall and said, Pastor, God, I need a new pair of jeans. I want a jeans that make my butt look small in Jesus' name. God, Help me. I need a fresh fade. I need to impress some girls at work, Lord. Come on. And often we think those aren't spiritual. We shouldn't pray those prayers. And I would argue the exact opposite. Because talking is the intimacy of a relationship. You ever go to a house with a pool? It's not just the whole thing is 10 foot deep, right? It's not, the whole thing is not deep. We walk into a house with a pool... There's a shallow end, and it leads into the deep end. Amen? The point is you walk into the shallow end, and once you have some fun, then you go to the deep end. That's how prayers work. You're supposed to step into it, talking to God all day long. Small prayers, little things. I think, and what, what you will hear in your mind is the voice of religious people. Those are shallow. Don't, that's, that's surface level stuff. Don't pray for parking at the mall. Don't pray for a haircut. And I wrote down like this, prayers aren't shallow, people are. There's nothing shallow about talking to your father, even the small things. Why? Because small is not insignificant to God. 
my relationship with my wife were approaching nine years. The things we talk about now are very different than the things we talk about nine years ago. We talk about deep things of God. Like we talk about the book of Revelations, the sexual ethic of our culture. We go deep in the book of, like, deep conversations. How do we raise girls who are spirit-filled and know Jesus and walk in a generation that doesn't want to walk with him? And at the same time, what's your favorite workout at the gym? What's your favorite protein powder? She's all about the macros. Come on right now. Every good relationship, every healthy relationship, has shallowed conversations and deep conversations. Small is not insignificant with God. Talk to him. He longs to talk to you. The things that you're embarrassed to pray about, just tell him. You talk to a therapist, you talk to your friends, some of you talk on social media more than you talk with Jesus. It's time to pray again. It's time to make prayer great again. Point number two is going to help some people. Big isn't intimidating to God. Small is not insignificant. And big isn't intimidating. You don't just have a, a high priest. You have a great high priest who wants to mediate the tension between you and God. How, why am I going to heaven? Jesus. Why am I forgiven? Jesus. Why is he listening to my prayers? Jesus. Because he paid it. And just a, 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 in the same way that a plant will die without water, I'll die without breathing. My faith will die without praying. And often we forget that we need to talk to Jesus about everything and anything. And I'm in a unique season in my life where the pressure of this church, where we're relaunching. We spent two years at the Hotel Valencia in the last 60, month, 60 weeks online, last 18 at 5 o'clock, and it's been hard to get traction. But we're relaunching, and my prayer in this season is, may sound repetitive, we're talking about the types of prayers that Jesus prayed next week, but one of my prayers is just simple, but it's deep. Jesus, help. Jesus, I don't have the strength. Jesus, come. Just, just, just talking to him, Jesus, I need you. She's like, I can't carry this. Jesus, would you come? It may sound like, well, don't you have the words? So sometimes you don't have the words to communicate what's really going on. But the prayer is simple, but it's deep. My daughter, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And the three-year-old, she is not picky about food, let me tell you. And about a year ago, she, would, she was learning how to talk. And she would say things like, Dad, I want burger cheese. I'm like, what? I want a burger cheese. I'm like, cheeseburger? Yeah, dad. Burger cheese. Looking at me as if I'm the idiot. Burger cheese. So I make her a cheeseburger. And I, the first couple times I messed up because her hands are so small. When she'd hold the bun, the patty would fall out. And then I learned how to cut it in half so she can hold it. But those first couple of times, dude, she would bite into it once twice and the patty would fall out and she'd look at me like she'd this face me ah she couldn't talk but i knew exactly what she was talking about see some of you the pain in your life the pressure is so high you think that you need to pray some help god hears your groaning god hears your repetitive simple prayers jesus help i don't even have the words but it's deep 
Let me read you Jeremiah 32. It says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing. Someone say nothing. Nothing, nothing is too hard for you. I came to remind some people that nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. And the same way that my daughter freaked out over a little patty that came out, she thinks it's the end of the world. Some of you are freaking out over your finances, over your marriage, and God is not freaking out. I wrote down like this, what you think is big in comparison to God is actually small. One of my favorite stories is in Mark chapter 4. Jesus on one side of this lake goes, guys, we're going to the other side. We're, there's someone on that side that needs my help. And they get in the boat, and the Bible says very clearly, Jesus falls asleep. And then a storm comes. And the disciples, these are fishermen who have spent their whole life on a boat. They know storms. They know waters. They're freaking out. And they wake up Jesus. How can you be sleeping? Don't you know what we're going through? It teaches me that Jesus sleeps through my storms. The things that freak me out do not freak Jesus out. The things that I think are so big are nothing compared to the size of my Sometimes we go to therapists and friends and Instagram and everyone but Jesus. And the one that made you is the one that can fix you. You need to be reminded of that. The one that's on the screen, the one that made you is the one that can fix you. The one that created you knows what you need. Prayer is just talking to Jesus. Talking is the intimacy of relationships. I love that my wife and I have a therapist. I tell people that all the time so you can remove the shame or the guilt or the, you hide, oh, I don't want people to know I have a therapist. Your, your pastor has one. And one of the most powerful things that my therapist told my wife and I is, you can tell me anything. I've heard it all. Don't hold back. I'm not going to be shocked. Not, my, my jaw's not going to drop. And there are people in this room that you carry wounds. You carry pain. And you talk to everyone but God about it. Maybe it hurts. Maybe God took a, a loved one too soon. And you've been silently angry with God for years. Maybe it was a friend who stabbed you in the back. Now you're closed off from having friends. Maybe it was the, the promotion that you were passed up on. What's the hurt that you're carrying that you haven't told God yet? Maybe it's your habits. God's not surprised by your addictions. He's not going to be repelled by the messiness in your life. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's, maybe it's weed. What is the addiction that you have depended on and now you need Jesus? You know, talking to him is healing. Maybe it's hangups. These are your mentalities. Can't tell you how impact women that Pastor Yaz and I, I disciple, they say, I need to have a boyfriend. It's this codependency thing. I, 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 Pastor Yaz, I'm always depressed. These hang-ups that hold us back, have you ever talked to Jesus about them? Because you're telling me, but have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? And the, the big idea is this, whatever you can't talk about controls you. It controls you. Jesus wants to heal you. And I love, I love the promise that's the end of Hebrews 4 verse 16. That when you see this great high priest, this perfect mediator, the one who became the sacrifice, the one who's special because he can empathize with us. When you come to pray to him, 
He gives you something that we all need. Watch this. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. Someone say mercy. And find grace. Someone say grace to help us in our time of need. I wrote down like this. Mercy is for the moment. Grace is for the future. See, in a courtroom, imagine if God's on one side and the guilty people, me and you, are on the other, and Jesus is the judge. He's the mediator. He's the one that can represent God and represent us. Mercy says, you have a penalty. I canceled the debt. Grace is different than mercy. Grace, he gives you money. Imagine the judge saying, I find you guilty. And he takes off his robe and says, even though you're guilty, I came to die for you. And he pulls out of his pocket keys and says, go live the life that I want you to live. And then he's ushered off in the back and is executed. See, I wrote down like this. Mercy is being spared from all the bad that you deserve. Grace is about getting all the good you didn't deserve. Mercy gets you out. Grace carries you through. You need grace and you need mercy. And it's only available not by coming to church, but by praying to Jesus. Coming to Him. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who knows the, the pain that you experience, the one who knows your hurts, your habits, your hangups, he is not annoyed by your immaturity. He's not going to push you away because you're angry. He doesn't care that you're walking away in disobedience. You can pray to him anytime, anywhere. You can approach him with confidence. I wrote down like this, there's no problem too big and there's no detail too small for God. It's time to pray again. It's time to make prayer great again. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for three people in this room. I want to pray for those that are in pain, in need. There's a burden that they're carrying, God, and they are not talking to, to you about it. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a new relationship. God, maybe it's a loved one that doesn't walk with you. God, I pray that they can come to you right now about anything and everything. You're our great high priest. You want to mediate. And you did it, God, because you were the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that we can approach the throne room of God with confidence every time, no matter our need. Thank you, God, for the promise of grace. Thank you, God, for the promise of mercy. That grace is, mercy is for the moment. Grace is for the future. Pray for marriages in this room. Pray for young families in this room. Pray for those that are hurting in this room. Pray for those that are struggling with their identity, struggling with purpose, wanting, wanting to know what God wants from them and what to do in life. I pray, Jesus, that as we talk to you, as we pray to you, you would make it clear, God, that you are a speaking God, that you are a talking God that you long to talk to your kids. You long like a father to communicate with us, to speak to us. I pray, Jesus, over the next 21 days that we would put you first. Prayer would not be our last resort, but our first response. Speak to us, God. Speak to us, Lord. With every eye closed 
and with every head bowed. The great mediator, Jesus, the one who came and died on a cross for our sin, he wants a relationship. He wants to speak to you. But before he can speak to you, he needs to to pay your penalty of sin. And this is about becoming a Christian. The question maybe for some of you in your heart is, how do I become a Christian? You don't have to do anything. There's no work you need to do. Simply believe in Jesus. That's the work of a Christian. That the mediator left heaven and came to die on a cross for your sin. If that's you this morning and you want to begin praying to Jesus, talking to Jesus, placing your faith in Jesus with every eye closed and with every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. I want you to shoot your hand up if that's you. One. Two. Three. Would you just put your hand up if that's you? Amen. 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 Put your hand down. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived a sinless and perfect life. That you paid my penalty of sin. That you died in my place. I receive your free gift. I receive salvation. I turn from my sin, Jesus. I repent from living life my way. I want to listen to you, Jesus. I want to talk to you, Jesus. I want to pray to you. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Because I long to obey you. Thank you for dying for me. And everybody said... Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.